0: I want to tell you a story about my family, my wife in particular. She's a kindergarten teacher. Uh, A little while back, uh, she was wrapping things up on a Friday afternoon. It probably was around 4 o'clock. She was in her classroom wrapping up the day. It had probably been a long but a good day. She teaches 13 uh, junior kindergartners, 10 boys and 3 girls, if I got that right. They're 4 and 5 years old. And she was, she was concluding her day. She was wrapping it up. And on the wall were hanging these 13 paintings of the Eiffel Tower. Probably looked a little bit like green and brown smudge marks. But they had been reading a book about the Eiffel Tower. And the children had painted those. And they were hanging on the wall. And at that moment, into her classroom came this boy that was from the next grade up, senior kindergarten. And he, he looked on at those paintings. And he said to her, that one's terrible, that one's awful, that one's disgusting, I hate that one. And Alicia walked over to him as she described to me and bent down to him and said, you know, honey, um, that might be true, (laughs) but that is not kind. And he said to her, but they're terrible. (laughs) And she, of course, turned away and suppress the laugh. Uh, Let me pray with you. Our Father in heaven, as we think about kindness and Christian kindness this afternoon, uh, I would ask of you, Father, that you would graciously pour out your spirit on us. Father, I ask you that you would forgive us um, even today As I look back, I can think of the ways that I have failed in this. My family can think of the ways that I have failed in this. And Lord, I I would guess I'm not alone in that. So, Father, would you meet us now with your forgiving grace? And God, would you pour out your spirit in such a way that we are reminded of what you call us to in the gospel? But God, that we're also delighted in that and desire that and believe that it is possible because of all that you have done for us and the kindness that you have shown to us that has been so undeserved by us. So work in us, we pray, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you open up with me to Ephesians chapter four to verse 32? This is gonna be something of an anchor verse for us today, but I wanna look at it in context of what Paul says in this greater part of this chapter about character, I really want us to hear what God says through his word to us about kindness in these ways. I want us to think about it in terms of three realities about our character. And let me just give you those to you up front. Here's the first. You will be kind. I want to think about what God will do with us one day. The second is you must be kind, and I want to reflect on what God calls us and commands us to now. And the last is you can be kind, and there we'll think about how God has shown us kindness as Christians and how that kindness motivates our kindness and enables us to be kind to any and everyone. So let's read this first section here that I want to look at and think about this first aspect of our character, you will be kind. I'm going to start back for us in chapter 4 at verse 17 and read down through verse 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is your life if you're a Christian. This is my life. We know the joy and the freedom that's highlighted in verse 24, the new life, the freedom from sin's grip, We experience the good of that new life. We know the good of things like becoming a person that is more kind. And yet on the other side of things, don't we also know the frustration, discouragement, and guilt of our sin? That we still need to put off the old man or the old woman and that we can be pretty unkind at times. Or if that's not a struggle for you, pretty sinful in other ways. What verse 17, where we began, just bluntly assumes is true for us. We can say, We're Christians, praise God, we have a new life. God has changed my heart, and that is true and sincere and real. And yet, we don't just need to hear, Keep up the good work. We also need to hear in some areas, Stop. That's why God, through Paul, commands these Christians here to not walk like the other Gentiles, the other unbelievers around them do. But let's look at that in the bigger picture, in the context of Ephesians, and more importantly, or or just as importantly, in the bigger reality of our lives. I want you to look a little beyond this at what Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 here. I love in this exhortation how Paul just assumes this great reality that we can't lose sight of as Christians. And when we think about kindness, we can put it this way. We will be kind. We will be kind and faithful and patient and pure. There will be a real day, won't there, where there will be no more wrinkles and no more spots That is reality. That is who we will be one day, all by the grace of God and the cleansing work of Jesus. That is your reality and mine as Christians. We feel those spots and those wrinkles now. Of course we do. Sin is discouraging and frustrating. It's powerful, but just as surely as you feel it and I feel it, just as surely as you might've felt it today, there's gonna be a day when it ends. Your heavenly father, my heavenly father, is not okay with us just living like we used to. He tells us in his word in places like here in Ephesians that when we embrace sin when we choose things like lust or impurity, when we are angry or lazy, when we choose worldly comforts over dying to self, when we choose unkindness instead of kindness, God's word is that is not how you have learned Christ. It's wrong. But God's grace is gonna end that. By God's grace, this is going to end, and it's going to end well. We will be people one day without any spot or wrinkle or any such thing. We will be kind and absolutely so. And praise God for Jesus because he's the one who has done it all. I think if we pause for a moment and we're being real, we probably might say that that seems far off. And yet the whole Christian life is learning to live in the truth that seems far off, isn't it? So I want to say to you, I want to say to me, let the future destruction of your sin overshadow the present struggles with your sin. You will be a person of pure and perfect character one day. What an awesome description, right? Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That won't just be a future description one day. That will be a real description of our lives. And that reality that you will be that person one day is a reality that we cannot lose sight of. That has to be the context out of which we fight against our sin in the present. That's a reminder, isn't it, of God's commitment to your life and his love for your life. That's a great source of hope that God will do that in us one day. There's lots that we need to hear on the side of no longer live like the Gentiles. And just like in this book, When we think about how we no longer have to live and no longer should live that way, whether it's about kindness or it's about any area of our sin in any day of our week, it really does need to happen within the hopeful and true reality that we will one day be like Christ. We will be kind. We will be without any spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So I want to begin with you today here thinking about kindness and just remembering that that we really are talking about how God ultimately is committed to our character change. It's what he saved us for, and it is what he is going to do one day. And that is so hopeful, isn't it? Now, I want you to look down at the next section here. And in the context of this first reality, thinking about who God really will make us one day, Let's think about the second now and think about how not just we will be kind, but think about present life and God's command to us that says we must be kind. So let me read verse 25 to 32 for us. Paul says here, Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. When I was praying a while back, and thinking about the mini-series that I wanted to do in our church in between a series that we were doing, I decided I wanted to speak about character. And and partly that was because our focus had been on mission for a while. And I felt like my people and, and our church needed to be encouraged, not just in reaching the lost, but in growing in Christ-likeness. But even more than that, I really wanted to think about how character and mission came together. It's easy to get focused on one or the other, isn't it? And part of that is personality and character and circumstances. So, so even as we're sort of thinking about this, just ask yourself, what about you? What do you value if you consider the priorities and what you work at and what you see yourself thinking about each day as a Christian? Do you know your tendencies? Is it towards sort of more of the the outreach kind of mission, mission part of the Christian life or is it the character side? And an even more important question in one sense is to ask ourselves, do we know how those two come together in our lives? Look at the little phrase attached to the command here in verse 32. Be kind to one another. That simple phrase that shows that this command is relational. And of course, we know that about kindness. But if we look up and think about the section that we just read and the different ways it calls us to be people of character, in verse 30, we're told things like, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. But then there's this big focus also on character and how it helps instead of hurts. The thief's to no longer steal, but instead he's supposed to help through his doing of what is right that flows out of his character. We're to speak words that no longer hurt, but instead help and build up. What does that mean for mission? It means, in part, that your character is what makes your faith attractive. Your character, my character, is what makes our faith attractive. And of course, Jesus said this often. All people will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. If I make it personal and particular and talk about kindness today and think about kindness in my own home. One of the questions my children are always asking themselves is this. One of the questions our children all are always asking themselves are, do I want the life my mom and dad have? Do I want to follow Christ? Is the life that they have attractive? Is how I treat my wife is how I live out the greatest relationship of my life where my Christian faith really comes to bear a healthy and a good one and one that makes my faith attractive to them. Character complements mission, doesn't it? We're saved to be made new and as we're living new lives of character, the good that comes out of that will be witnessed and experienced by people and that will draw them to Christ. And the opposite is true, isn't it? That lack of character can get in the way. Praise God that God overcomes that. Praise God that he, he needed to overcome and I, pr- and I pray will overcome some of that lack of kindness that I know displayed out of my heart even today in my life and my family and my home. Praise God that he saves our kids, not just um, in the good things and through the good things we do, but in, in, in certain ways despite our sin too, doesn't he? But we do want to speak so that others can know Jesus and live in a way so that others will want to know Jesus. And you know, of all the qualities we can think about, character qualities, kindness is one that is just the most visible in our lives. It's one of those parts of life that just shines out, right? There's, there's just so many opportunities in just about every interaction we have in every circumstance we have in the course of a day to either display kindness or to not. And, and I think it's interesting that, that it displays, uh, it really encompasses so many different parts and aspects of our conduct that, that speaking about it is kind of like speaking about love, and we all sort of get it right. I, I, you can pull a bunch of four and five year olds and ask them to describe kindness, and they 'll probably do a pretty good job at doing that, and yet it 's not the easiest thing because it 's so broad and deep to capture in one definition, just like love it 's hard to do that, and yet when we reflect on it and it sharpens our understanding. It gives us some new ways to think about how we are and aren't kind and how the gospel and Christ really work in that in our lives. So so let's think for a moment, what is kindness? Paul uses a term for kindness here that, that means the quality of being helpful or beneficial. Now look at verse 31 where Paul says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That's the opposite of kindness. It's the opposite of the intention to do harm, descriptions of malice. So kindness in one sense is the intention to do good. And in fact, that's often how kindness is translated in the scriptures as goodness. What is it to be kind It's in every moment of your interaction, working at doing that other person good. It's the active intention to do good for others in what we say and what we do. And verse 32 tells us that kindness is very closely associated with tender-heartedness. So it's a lot more, isn't it, than simply being nice. Um, it's not conduct that appears a certain way. It's a way of conducting yourself where you truly are caring about and valuing that other person. It has a corresponding heart warmth and concern for another person. Now, think about this. Originally, kindness was related to the word kin. Now, we've got to be very careful when we go back and look at words and what they used to mean and how we apply it to today. But but it's helpful and insightful in this way. Kindness originally meant native or, or, or family. It spoke about the feelings that relatives had for one another. And here's the insight. Kindness is something like how we treat people that we really, really love. If you think about a person that you really, really love and like and how you speak to them and how you react to them and what you would do for them and how you respond to them in different situations, that in a lot of ways really displays kindness. Think about this also. When you have something like a car um, that outlasts um, what it, it should have lasted, one of the ways that we express that in English is we can say something like, that car was very kind to me. And what we mean by that is we're highlighting the richness and the extent of its helpfulness and its usefulness. It's something like going the extra mile in being useful and beneficial, so what's kindness? It's, it's the opposite of cruelty and harshness and being negative and, and all things related to malice. But it's more than that. It's, ju- it's not just neutral. And that's vital to grasp. Kindness is positive. It's a way of conducting yourself where you're not just acting nice but you're trying to say and do those things that will be helpful and encouraging and will build up. It's active and intentional and it it takes a lot of work. It's seeking to value and bless and help that other person in front of you in your interaction and it spans so much of what we do. It's, it's, for instance, from, from receiving a text where someone says something like, you know, can I borrow your, your bike carrier for my upcoming vacation? Kindness that, that says that doesn't have one of those things of your own says, kindness says something like this. Well, you know, I don't have one of those, but in fact, I can think of this other family that we both know that does. Let me text them and see if they'd mind getting in touch with you. Or the conversation where the person says something simple like, I just came back from holidays, and you follow up with that, and you ask a question and say, well, how was your holiday? Tell me some of those highlights. It asks questions. It it, it cares about the person in front of you. It looks at that person in front of you that was just unkind to you that said a word that hurt, intentional or not, and it remembers that you really do want to treat that person like you would want to be treated, and there's probably a context for them anyway. It's hearing about a friend that has a need and generously trying to meet it, It's it's that simple interaction with our children when they tell us some silly story and instead of sort of moving on to the next thing, we hang in there and listen and ask them a question. And the list goes on and on and on. It's not being neutrally nice though. It's actively trying and doing things that are helpful and encouraging and build up. And and this this is the rub here. It's doing those things even when they don't really deserve it. That's the third reality of your character and mine as a believer that I want to think about. Not just you can be kind, or not just that you must be kind, excuse me, but that you can be kind. And that you can be kind as a believer because of the kindness that God has shown us. Look back at verse 32 where we're told be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Your attitude, my attitude of kindness and, and the ability to forgive and tender heartedness is rooted in how God has treated us. You know, there's two big obstacles, I think, to kindness. And one is reflected here. And I want to talk about both of them, though, for a moment. The first is, is this. I want to get there by way of a story, interestingly, about Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, who um, is interestingly known for his kindness. He tells this story about how he was a 10-year-old boy And he saw this commercial. Um, Some of us can remember commercials like this, stating that every puff on a cigarette shortened your life by this X amount of, of minutes. And of course, um, he was a math whiz. Um, so he began to quickly compute out loud sort of, sort of what that would look like. And he was thinking about his grandmother, who had been a lifelong smoker, and just sort of working this out in his mind verbally out loud, though, and thinking, you know, Grandma, you smoked for this long, and, and this commercial says this. Well, you've taken this amount of time off of your life. And to his surprise, Um, Jeff's grandmother began to cry when he announced this and his grandfather pulled him aside and instead of getting angry at him and instead of punishing him or disciplining him, he just simply said to him, you'll learn one day that it's much harder to be kind than to be clever. I think one of the big obstacles to kindness can be our desire to be clever and funny and impress and have our voices heard, a lot of things revolved around self. If we search our memory, I think we would see that, that our kindness is often undermined by something with self. The other big obstacle of, towards kindness, of course, is justice. When we're wronged, mistreated, hurt, frustrated, annoyed, inconvenienced, it can be very easy, can't it, to dispense with kindness in some of those harder moments. And I think that's probably the circumstances of this church and th- th- this book where there's all this written about the importance of being this unified Christian community. And then at sort of the apex of the book, they're told, don't be angry, don't be bitter towards one another, but be kind and forgive one another as God has forgiven you. One of the things that we do as a church Um, as a church that has the blessing of having our own building and is in the city, is that we often open up our doors to our community when we're able to. We want to bless them, and we also want them to walk in our doors and walk past our two ways to live tracks in our Bibles and interact with some of us and have the opportunity to hear the gospel. A little while back, a woman walked in uh, going to this, this little Rainbow Songs class where these Little babies sing songs up in our upper room. That sounds um, strangely Last Supper-ish, but it's just the second floor of our church, um, but I always hear it above me. Um, she, she walked into our church, and she grabbed one of these little pamphlets that's put out by by counseling ministry, and she brought it over to me, and she said, you know, I'm gonna take this pamphlet on forgiveness. I've had a really difficult relationship with my parents, and I'm just finding it so hard to forgive them. And I think I said something to her about how it's just profoundly difficult to go through something like that when the people that should love us the most um, are the very people that we're we're struggling with and and, and having to deal with these things with. And I said to her, you know, before I came to faith, I really knew some of that. I had a relationship with my stepfather and and I had this deep-seated hatred towards him. But when I came to faith, that incredibly changed. And that desire to be mean and cruel was lifted. And so was all that weight from carrying around that bitterness and unforgiveness. There was this sincere desire to do him good. And it brought me to the place of kindness. And I'll tell you why. Because God showed me kindness. He warmed my heart when I didn't deserve any of it. And that Changed me. Like Paul says, when the, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. God saw a whole lot of hurt and brokenness and despair in me, a person with no hope of breaking free from sin. So he sent his son to rescue me. And there wasn't any logical reason for him to do that. I didn't deserve his kindness. I had brought that suffering on myself. I turned away from him, went my own way, and and disregarded him and rebelled against him. But thankfully, God did not treat me the way I deserved. Instead, he was kind. What God did in Christ, that's the greatest, most complete picture of kindness I'll ever know. And if that's not you in the sense that Uh, Maybe you are a child or maybe you're here and you don't know that kindness. You haven't put your faith in Jesus and aren't following him yet. I think that's an insightful description of God and how he has told us about himself that I want you to hear. It's not just that God is good and he is good, but he's kind. There's a warmth, a concern in his view for us. And the Bible says that kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Hear that today if you're not following Jesus. He is kind-hearted. His desire is for you to come to him, to confess your sin, to be in a relationship with him so that he could forgive you and bless you even though you do not deserve it. And if that is true of you in the sense that you know God's kindness like I do, let's ask ourselves afresh. How can I not want to be kind to others when God has been so kind to me? How can being clever or funny be what I allow my my motivation to be in moments when it displaces my kindness? How can I not want to show kindness to someone even when they have been unkind to me when God has shown me the kind of kindness he has and when I've been so undeserving right I'm that person and so much worse when it comes to the kind of kindness that God has shown me You know if you're a Christian through God's kindness you are free There are resources in you that are greater than other people's hurts or your own selfishness. And the truth is by God's grace, by his spirit through the gospel, we can be kind. Not simply nice or pleasant or smiling, but true kindness that's supernaturally generous and orientated towards the good of others even when they don't deserve it. I want to get really practical with you for the next few moments before we wrap all of this up and think with you just for a few moments about how we really get practical with kindness. We believe that God's spirit's at work in our lives. When we pray, God is changing our hearts through that he's making us kind, and yet he also uses the choices we make, doesn't he? Our hearts produce actions, but the actions we take also have that counterbalance, that uh, that opposite flow where those actions come and, and they shape our hearts. So here's some practical ways to show and grow in kindness. And listen, we need to hear these. I need to hear these. I'm so glad that I get to say them, not just out loud to you today, but I want to hear them again myself. Here's number one. Ask this question. Simply, what would be helpful or encouraging? In just about every interaction and circumstance, ask the simple question, What would be helpful or encouraging to this person? Don't make being funny or clever or baseline nice or polite the standard for how you operate. Make kindness. That's what kindness does. It looks at that other person in front of you and the aim is not to simply not offend or do what is expected of you. The aim is to bless. That's what kindness is. Ask the question, What would be helpful or encouraging? Number two, watch kind people. My wife is probably the kindest person I know. People always say, not out loud, but to themselves probably, we like Justin, we tolerate Justin, but we love Alicia. (laughs) Think about the people that you consider kind and how they interact with people, how they listen to people, how they ask questions, how they actively encourage, and they do, in a real way, smile and offer help and so on, and realize that you want to be like them, that that is a mark of Christian maturity. In some ways, that's part of why preaching about kindness is so hard, because it really does um, unearth sin, and not just sin, but also immaturity. It's sinful and it's selfish and it's immature to be unkind. And it's so good to look at others who are living out kindness and imitate them. So watch kind people. Number three, resist the simple urge to make rude fun of people. As one author points out, for some of us watching sports or talent shows provides an opportunity for airing harsh opinions on physical appearance, ineptitude, or lack of talent. And I want to say doing that sort of thing about those things or in general develops a habit of unkindness. It's subtle, but it's real and it's powerful. Every unkind joke that goes too far works unkindness in our hearts. Resist that urge to make rude fun of people. Number four, very simple. Again, I keep saying simple. These are simple, but so important. Acknowledge other people's presence. How often do we fail to show others kindness simply because we're too busy to take notice of them or to acknowledge them? It might be rude or it might even go unnoticed to acknowledge someone, but it will not be kind. Say hello when you pass someone this afternoon. When you walk into a room with a few people, greet them, take the opportunity to be kind in one of the most common parts of life that happens every single day and just acknowledge other people's presence. Number five, share an encouraging word. I know you guys have been mentored well in this. I listened to Pastor Josh close out the Young Adults Retreat, and I was encouraged by how he was encouraging everyone else. Express good things to people. It's one of the ways to show kindness. It's one of the greatest ways. It takes thought. It takes work. But you don't have to be Josh to do it. It's not going to be as encouraging as when Josh says it, probably but it's worth working at, isn't it? See something and say something about it. That was encouraging. That was good. We, all, we, we can be so quick, can't we, to point out things that, that are discouraging. And yet we don't just need to hear about the ways that we need correction. We need to hear about the ways that God is evidencing his grace in our life. We took an early morning bike ride today, and I felt that afresh. You know, We're always thinking about life and things as Christians, and I was watching my little daughter bicycle in front of me, and I was doing a lot of the negative correcting of the kids because I love them, and I don't want them to get run over by a car. So I was saying, please stay over to the side. Please don't bike in the middle. And we got to the end of the, end of the race, end of the, the, the bike, and she was getting tired. And I had to say to her, keep going, honey. You're doing a great job. This has been such a long bike ride. Keep going, great job. We need to hear those things, don't we? Share encouraging words. Number six, say thank you. Saying thank you is a big one. There are a million opportunities for this and so many that can be wasted. Um, I, I often tell our church, when you go up, and you pick up your kids from the nursery or go down or from Sunday school, tell that person, thank you. Thank the people that have served you. Be a person who lets the people around you know that you appreciate what they have done and how they have served you. Don't miss those opportunities to simply encourage by saying those two words that can really mean so much, can't they? when someone acknowledges how you've loved them and you just say, thank you. Number nine, don't make excuses. Take responsibility for your attitude. We're not victims of our feelings. We know circumstances come into play, but at the end of the day, we don't want to excuse our unkindness. We don't want external factors to dictate our attitude when we become tired or annoyed. It's again, it's it's hard to say, but it's true that the measure of who we are in some ways is not who we are when things are going well, but when things aren't going well. The measure of our kindness is not when you're being kind to me, but it's when you're being unkind to me. Number eight, this is a big one. Don't excuse kindness and unkindness when you are familiar. The author Nancy Lee DeMoss said this about herself and we all know this. If a couple were staying at our home for the weekend, we'd be sure to clean the towels in the bathroom, that their linens were freshly washed, that dinner was flexible to their schedule, that a fresh pot of coffee was brewing in the morning. But when our own kids and husband need something, well, they know where the refrigerator is and how to turn on the oven. We can often be the least kind to the people we're closest to. There's no room for that. It's true, it's real, it's observable, it's something we want to see, but it's not something we want to excuse. Number nine, don't ask what's in it for you. I think we're often kind to people in sinful moments when on some level we think that we can benefit from them. Be kind to all. Check your heart. Don't embrace motivations that are driven by what you can get out of a relationship. See that kindness is selfless. Selfless. Put selfish kindness to death, and instead of asking, What can I get? ask, What can I give, no matter who it is? And number 10, and most of all, remember God's kindness. What God did for you and for me in Jesus, that's the greatest, most complete picture of kindness you'll ever know. Let God's kindness motivate your kindness. And let God's kindness remind you that there are no limits on the people you should be kind to and that I should be kind to. Have you ever written or uh, read or seen the book, "Love is the Killer App." It was written by Tim Sanders several years back, and he tells the story of a young manager named Steve who was challenged by one of Sanders' radio interviews about his book. So as a result of this, Steve resolves to go and and visit each one of his employees. He's a manager, this is a true story, and he has six employees of his on his floor that he he said he hadn't seen sort of face-to-face in over six months that worked for him in the same building on the same floor. So he wanted to go to them after hearing this podcast and simply tell them how much he appreciated them and name one thing that they did excellently. So after this visit from Steve, one of his software engineers, Lenny, comes back to Steve and presents him with an Xbox gaming console. And Steve, of course, was taken aback. Why did his employee do this? And he knew Lenny had taken pay cuts over the last year, but he was even more surprised to learn, true story, that that money had come from a sale of a handgun that Lenny had bought months earlier with the intention of taking his life. Lenny's mother had passed away recently and he'd he'd just struggled with ensuing loneliness and depression. And he said to his manager, Steve, last week, you freaked me out. You came into my cubicle, put your arm around me and told me you appreciated me because I get all of my projects in on time and because of my humor in your emails that just sort of lightens the mood and makes me laugh. That night, he said, I went home I got this handgun and it was the first time that I thought that I wasn't going to need to take my own life and I actually went back to where I bought it and returned it and took that money and bought this Xbox gaming console. I knew you had wanted one for your son and so on and here it is, you can have it. A little goes a long way a little goes a long way. Isn't it true that we have no idea about the loneliness and the sadness and the hurt that people are often facing? Uh, You rarely know all the battles of those around you. The people in your life, the people sitting next to you right now need your encouragement and you need their encouragement. So remember what God is gonna do for you one day when he's gonna take away all those spots and wrinkles and when you will be kind and hear God's word today that says, you must be kind and keep your eyes on God and you can and you will be kind. Why wouldn't we be kind? Because we were wronged, because we were in a bad mood, because we're too busy to care, because we're struggling, because we don't feel like it, because that other person doesn't deserve it. In all those moments, let's get our eyes off of ourselves and onto God and his kindness and let that kindness reshape our hearts and our conduct so that we we would be kind people. Let me pray for us. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the kindness that you have shown to us. And God, we pray that you would fill our hearts with such a deep sense of that kindness that we would overflow in kindness towards others. And God, we desire that so that we would love the people around us so that we would adorn the gospel and so that we would glorify you. We ask it in Jesus' name and pray for the grace that only he can give, amen.